Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Going to do right now is we're going to open the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 4. We are walking through the book of Mark verse by verse. This is a two year journey through the book of Mark at, at our church. We love the Word of God. Um, we love walking through books of the Bible. We take breaks here and there. So, actually, in two weeks, we're going to be doing a series called The Elephant Room, where we're going to be talking about some of the big elephants in the room in the church and uh, hitting on some of the hot button topics. So, I'd encourage you to come back next week. We'll be uh, continuing Mark but taking a little break for four weeks after that. Um, But we love walking through the Word of God verse by verse. You can't run from any topic. I actually came across a, a survey this week. It was a study, actually, by Reveal Study, and they did a survey of 1,000 churches and surveyed thousands of people inside of those churches. And here's what they found. It's on the screen for you. It says, nothing has greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on Scripture. If churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, their choice is clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible. So that is why we go through the Bible verse by verse. Now, I wanted to challenge you. This is not a part of my notes, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this. That some of you, probably many of you, are not reading the Bible on your own. Now, no guilt here. This is a guilt-free zone, okay? But this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you that you would make it a point to read the Bible every day if you can. Now, you're not going to be perfect. In fact, I'm walking through the Bible in a year plan right now, and I'm currently 18 days behind. So that means uh, 18 days of the last, whatever, we're halfway through the year, uh, I missed. And uh, that's okay because God's grace is on us, right? Um, It's not a a letter of the law thing. It's a spirit of the law. We want to connect with the Lord. Um, And so... Here's what I challenge you. I know some of you reading the Bible is hard for you. Maybe it's not normal for you like every day. Download an app, right? There's a, the YouVersion Bible app I think is the best one. And some of you are like, well, I don't know where to start. Here's what I challenge you to do. Read one verse a day. And what's awesome about the YouVersion Bible app is there is a verse of the day. And it's the first thing that pops up when you open it. Read that verse. Meditate on it for two or three minutes. Let that be how you start your day. Or maybe you miss it in the morning. Do it in the middle of the afternoon. You could do what I do. Sometimes I miss my Bible reading plan in the morning because I wake up late or my kids are being crazy, um, you know, and, and I'm running behind. And so I'll listen to it on the way to, to work in my car. Now, some people say, well, that doesn't count. But those are letter of the law people, right? We're about the spirit of the law. And so you're getting the word of God in your spirit. That's all that matters, whether you listen to it, read it, um, someone reads it to you. And so I just want to challenge you, man, start with one verse. If you have never been able to read the Bible, one verse, I believe it will begin to change your life and change your perspective. I believe you're going to walk into, into your work, in your workplace, your school with a better mindset. And so I just wanted to challenge us on that today because I think some of us probably haven't been in the Word. And you're like, I'm waiting till January. No, start today, okay? You can do it today. But we live in a culture that is very urgent, right? We're all about like the urgent now. I mean, we have fast food uh, because we need it now. So we go through a drive through and in two minutes, unless you're at Popeye's waiting for one of them chicken sandwiches right now, uh, which we all know Chick-fil-A is king. Come on, y'all. Um, that's just me. Um, I actually haven't tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich because they all ran out, uh, which just shows they ain't ready to be on Chick-fil-A's level. But, um, you know, uh, 
worry about that urgent now. In fact, I, I was thinking about it, man. My, my wife, every single day, one to five packages from Amazon shows up at her doorstep because she needs it now. She's got that one-click option. You don't have to put in any of your information. You just one-click and the thing's on its way. Some of you are like, amen, that's me. Packages every day, they ain't never for me. Some of you husbands feel me. Um, single people enjoy this season. Anytime a package shows up at your doorstep, it's for you. Come on. Some of you are bitter about being single. That's a blessing right there. Uh, every package shows up, it's never for me. But, man, the urgent now, right, we're all about the now, like getting it right now. Some of you have that Amazon next level. You can get it in an hour or two. It shows up at your door. This is the culture we live in. And yet what's interesting is that when it comes to the gospel and the good news, when it comes to living for Jesus, I have conversations with people all the time, and they'll tell me, like, man, I, I like the church and this Jesus thing, but, you know, I'm just not ready right now. You know, like, I, I want to live a little more, like maybe after college. Like maybe when I get my life a little more put together, like then I'll go all in on the Jesus thing, which let me tell you, Jesus accepts you just as you are. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. In fact, he takes all of us messed up, jacked up, dysfunctional, and he uses us just as we are. But he also begins to change us and mold us and make us more like him. But, but I just wanted to say to you, we're, we're in this urgent now culture, but when it comes to the gospel, uh, we, we hesitate. Even I have conversations with people, and they're like, you know, I'm really self-aware. I know people really well. I'm a good reader of people. And, you know, like that, my, my friend, my coworker, they're just not ready for Jesus. They're not ready for the gospel. And so, like, I'll be the one to decide to determine when they're ready or not. And because I'm just, I'm really good like that. And, and these are our conversations that I have. Well, I, I believe and, and, and I think that today what I want to talk to you about is that now is our time. That there's no greater time than right now to let the light of Jesus be shown in this world and in your life. And so some of you have been waiting, you've been hesitating, been hesitating to share the truth, or you've been hesitating to completely go in, all in on the truth. And I want to tell you, now is our time. Now is our time. I also believe we're in a significant moment in our city and in our church's history. We're about to walk into a building. We're bringing our two campuses together. This is significant. Now is our time. At the end of the day, my future isn't built tomorrow. My future is built today. And some of us are looking to our future, but we're saying, one day I'll get my future ready. But you're building your future right now, right here at this very moment, being in this room. Last week we actually uh, went through the, the uh, parable, and it was an amazing parable that we read of the sower, the parable of the sower. And... Uh, at the end of that parable, Jesus said something. He said, if you have good soil, rich soil, which hopefully if you missed it, go back, listen, watch it online. He said, if you have good, rich soil and you receive the word of truth, then you will yield a return 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, agriculturally speaking, a, an average yield was five-fold. A good yield was 10-fold. And Jesus says, listen, 
in your life, if you have good soil and receive the word of me, you are going to have purpose and joy and hope and a future 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. That's the God that we serve, a God of abundance, overflow. He wants to pour out amazing things through your life. And that's how that parable ends. So we've come now to the second parable in Jesus' teaching uh, in this section. So the Gospel of Mark, written by uh, Mark, he penned down what Peter told him. Peter was the father in the faith of Mark. Mark was his son in the faith. And, and so he, Peter's given an eyewitness account, and Mark is writing it down. Now, Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. It's the most fast-paced. It really just hits on all the events, the major events, miracles, things Jesus did. But there's very little teaching of Jesus in Mark. We only have two sections of teaching in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and one of them is here. So we've come to chapter 4, and things kind of finally slow down. Jesus is teaching from a boat on a lake with thousands of people listening, and he teaches through four parables. Last week we hit the first one, the parable of the sower. Today we're hitting the second one, which is the parable of the lamp. Now some of you remember the song, you grew up in church, and it goes, This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You guys remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. Then it goes, hide under a bush, a bushel, oh no, right? I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So, so this is one of the, the parables or stories that Jesus tells where we get this song from. And so I want to read Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 25. Here we go. And he said to them, is a lamp brought not on a stand, or sorry, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us from your word. Uh, give me the ability to share what you want me to share today, and may we receive it as good soil so we can receive and, and yield that return that you've promised us, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Listen, what you do now impacts your tomorrow and generations to come tomorrow. So my grandfather, I'm a third generation pastor. My grandfather pastored a church in Sacramento for 20 years. He built a, a large church. And it's interesting because I still have people come to me and say, man, I, I received, you know, God blessed me through your grandfather's ministry. I got saved under your grandfather's ministry. Your grandfather ba uh, baptized me. I've actually baptized, or baptized, dedicated a few babies up here. And the people told me, your grandfather dedicated me. And now you're dedicating my child. That's happened like on two or three different occasions, which is pretty incredible. But let me tell, us, tell you something. Like my grandfather is already being forgotten. Like my kids, they've never met him. And so I've talked to them about him. But he's like this person way far off. They don't really know much about. And we try to tell them. But it's just not on their radar. In the same way, like... My kids' kids, my grandkids, they'll probably have no clue who he was. He'll be a little whisper in the back of their mind, like, oh, I heard about that guy before. One day, 
my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids, they won't even probably know my name. And I think some of you are hearing this, you're like, this is kind of depressing. <laughs> like, cool. In reality, most of us are going to be forgotten. I'm just letting you know. I just want to be real with you. And some of you are like, oh, that hurts. But I want to tell you, you weren't put on this earth to be remembered. You were put on this earth to point people to the one that changes their life for eternity. So the seeds you are planting today and I'm planting today, they're going to set up generations to come tomorrow. The seeds that you're planting right now. So that's why I said, now is our time. I cannot emphasize the importance of right now enough. And you're like, but you just told me I'm going to be forgotten. You are. But guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's about the eternity of generations to come. And I hope that one day there'll be three, four, five generations down my line. And they may not know my name, but I believe they'll still be serving Jesus. And they'll still be pointing people to Jesus. And they'll still have an eternal inheritance. And I'll be satisfied with that. So that's why I say to you, what you do today matters. It matters for your future. And it matters for the generations to come future. The now of what we've been given. That's what I want to talk to you about today. The now of what we've been given. Because we've all been given something. That's what this parable is really about. Jesus is saying, I've given you something. I've given you a measure. I've poured something out on you. I've given you ability, dreams, plans, uh, uh, talents. I put a lot in you. But the measure and, and the now of what we've been given is what are we going to do with it right now? Number one. Light was meant to shine. Did you guys know that? Light was meant to shine. I mean, I, I have three little kids, and at night, sometimes I try to go to the bathroom in the dark. And that's cool if nothing's in the way. But when you have three little kids and they have step stools everywhere because they can't reach the sink and they got to brush their teeth and they can't reach the, you know, the, their closets, I've almost killed myself on multiple occasions. In the dark. And let me tell you, there's a world that is grasping around, walking through the dark. And they're running into things and they're tripping on things and they're grabbing hold of the wrong thing and letting go of the right thing. And I'm here to tell you, we have the light. We know the light. And so Jesus here, he, he's talking, he says, listen, a lamp is brought, it's not meant to be put under a basket, it's not meant to be put under a bed, it's meant to be put on a stand so that all can see it. Now, the lamp was a common symbol in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, a lamp symbolized the presence of God or the Word of God. In the New Testament, this idea of lamp or light always points back to Jesus. I want to illustrate this. John 1, 4 through 9. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the, that all might believe through him. He was not the, but came to bear witness about the, the true, which gives to everyone, was coming into the world. Some of you are quicker than others. 
That's a lot of light. Now, who is this light referring to? Jesus. John's, it says, look, John isn't the light. He came to point to the light, to give witness to the light, to bear witness of the light, to, to show everyone that this light is coming. Now, I was reading this, and then in John 12, 46, I came across this. Throw this up for him. John 12, 46. I have come. Now, this word, this word come is the same word used in, in the section that I just read, the same word used in verse number 4. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus is making a proclamation about the kingdom of God coming. And he's saying, there is a dark room and I am the light coming to light it up. There is a dark room that this world is walking through and I'm coming to bring light to it. The coming of the kingdom through a Messiah who is me. Jesus says, I'm the lamp, the light that belongs on a stand. So here's what I want us to do. They're going to kill the lights for me. Nobody freak out, okay? Nobody move. We're going to just have some fun in here. The crest can get very dark, okay? So check this out. There's obviously some emergency lighting, but I want you to watch this. Ooh, that's one cell phone light. Oh, hey, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back to church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're like, was he talking about me? All right, everybody pull out your flashlights, your phones. Flick on your lights. We're having a concert up here in the crest. Flick them on. I want you to wave them at me like you just don't care. Look at what a few hundred lights can do. And these are tiny lights, aren't they? My one light in a dark room literally shone where I could see your faces. Now with all these lights in a dark room, we're lighting this room up. Our video price still looks good for the sermon right now. Okay, bring the lights back up. You guys can kill them. This is the power of the light, of the lamp. A light in darkness illuminates. A light in darkness reveals. And this is who Jesus is. He says, and, and actually I was reading in the Greek, the original language, and I just want to give this to you real quick. In the Greek, the wording is this. Does the lamp come? And it's actually referring to a specific lamp. Like it's not a broad generalization like, oh, there's a lamp and it could be any lamp. No. It's a specific lamp, a single lamp, and it says, does the lamp come? Jesus is declaring that he is that lamp. He's saying, I'm the lamp and what's your job? To be the stand. He says, you don't hide it under a bed. You don't hide it under a bushel. You don't hide it under a basket. No. You take the lamp and you put it on a stand for all to see. Now, we don't get this because we have electricity. But in this day, they didn't have that. And so at night, they needed the lamps to see in their homes, to see on the street. Otherwise, it was complete and utter darkness. And what Jesus is saying is, elevate me. That's your job. Lift me up. Point people to me. Don't hide me. Let me be revealed so I can shine for all to see. Why? Because there's a dark world that's desperate for light. This world is, they're grasping. They're desperate. They're grabbing on to all the wrong things. And we have the lamp, the light. The now of what we've been given. Number one, light was meant to shine. Number two, hidden gifts 
were meant to be corporate blessings. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now, I read this and actually was like, Jesus, you're contradicting yourself. Because I don't know if you've been on us or been with us on this journey through the book of Mark. But just a, a chapter ago, Jesus healed a dude who was lame and said, don't go tell anybody. He's like, keep it between us. He had another guy who was blind and said, don't tell anybody. Keep it between us. For 30 years, Jesus lived on this earth in obscurity. Nobody knew who he was. He lived in a town of Nazareth, a hundred people working as a carpenter under his father. No one knew him for 30 years. And here he's saying, listen, nothing was meant to be put in the dark. It's meant to come to light. And it's like, wait, that's a contradiction. No. What Jesus was saying is there is a time for everything to be revealed. There is a time for you to keep that dream to keep that business plan, to keep that gifting, to keep that call in the dark. But there also always comes a time to bring it to the light. So I was thinking about my wife, my bride. She's down here. Great job up here today, babe, leading worship. Um, she pulled out the guitar today. Listened to her practice all week. And, uh, but I was thinking about my bride. I was thinking about our wedding day. You see, on our wedding day, we did something which was the first look. And uh, you, you do this nowadays because pictures take forever. And so before the wedding ceremony, you have a moment, just the two of you, where you see each other for the first time. And it's really about seeing the bride because, you know, we dudes, we pretty much look the same all the time. Um, but the brides, I mean, it's on another level. Hair, nails, face, makeup, right? Lashes, y'all go all out. But I want you to imagine that I'm getting ready for the first look, but I decide that I'm just going to periodically check in the room where she's getting ready just to, to see the progress. I want you to just imagine that every 15 minutes I pop in, I go, okay, I, I see what you're doing there with the shadowing. I don't know makeup, but, you know, um, I see the contour happening, like, looks good. Okay, I pop out. Come back 10 minutes later, ooh, the lashes have gone on. Oh, dang, you went with the one-inch ones. Okay, that looks good. Like, I pop out, um, and, and I just periodically come in, oh, the hair's up now. Oh, I love it. I love what you're doing with it. Okay. And I just periodically pop in. As she's getting ready, I pop in. Now she has her dress on. Amazing. And then the first look happens. She walks down the aisle. It would be a little anticlimactic, wouldn't it? It just would. Why? Because there's something powerful about a reveal, about that moment. And I'm just going to go there because I can and I have the mic. But some of you single people in here, you ain't waiting like God has asked you to wait. And I just want to tell you right now, like, I get it. You're like, I just want to see if we're compatible. Compatible. Let me tell you, you're compatible. It works, okay? It works 100% of the time. So I just want to see. Let me tell you something. I waited. For my wife, on our wedding night, we waited. It, it was difficult, but we made it. We waited, and let me tell you, the reveal, the moment, it was next level, y'all. And you're like, yeah, but the compatibility, like, you got to see if you really click. Let me tell you, the first time, we didn't click that much. But I've had 11 years of practice now since, and let me tell you, we get down, y'all. Do I regret? The six months I dated was engaged to her, waiting to have 
to waiting for our wedding night, not one minute do I regret that. In fact, the buildup and the waiting was worth it. I'm here to tell you, God reveals things in his time. There's something powerful about the reveal. So single people, I'm just challenging you today. You can wait. Wasn't in my notes, but I went there anyways. <laughs> but man, there's something powerful about that reveal. I wanna, I'm going to read Galatians 4.4. 4. Throw it up there for me. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Jesus, or God knew the perfect time to reveal Jesus on this earth. And I'm sharing this with you, and this point was hidden gifts were meant to be corporate blessings. And I'm sharing this with you to tell you that God has given you something. He's placed something in you. He's called you to something. He's put some gifts in you, talents in you, dreams in you, business plans in you. And some of you have been staying in the dark. And maybe the timing was right to stay in the dark. But somebody needed to hear today that you've been in the dark for too long, and it's time to bring it to the light. It's time to bring that out, to step out in faith. I think a lot of us are saying, God, work a miracle. But then we never step out in faith and let God work a miracle. How are we going to see miracles if we don't ever get out of the boat? You can't walk on the water if you don't step out and try. And so I want to tell you, some of you have had things in hiding, and God wanted to say to you today, it's time to bring it into the light. Those hidden gifts were meant to eventually be corporate blessings. And I know some of you have been keeping things hidden. Maybe gifts in the church, you've kept them hidden. You want to know why? Because you're hurt. You got hurt by a church. You've gone through pain in your life. You feel inadequate. You're insecure. You hid, you hid because of all these different reasons and things that were holding you back. And God is saying, no longer are you meant to be in the dark. No longer keep that thing in hiding. God have given you that for a corporate blessing. Not just a corporate blessing for the church, but for the world. Because some of you have things that are literally going to bless this world. And you have been hiding and holding on to them and holding yourself back. And God wanted to release something in this place today and say, no longer. It's time to go. It's time to release. It's time to step out in faith. Get out of the boat. Let's walk on some water, y'all. I actually have a pastor friend. And uh, five years ago, I went on a trip to Haiti with him. And he's in his uh, mid to late 50s. And... On that trip, I was a young pastor at the time, right, five years ago. I'm in my early 30s. Project Church had just started. We're one years old. And, and I said to him, I said, Pastor, because I was picking his brain. I like to learn from people older than me that have wisdom, that have been there, that have done that. Y'all should do the same. And so I'm picking his brain. And I said, hey, if you could go back and be my age again. He's like, don't remind me. <laughs> if you could go back and be my age again, what would you do different? And I'll never forget what he said because I've literally thought about it every week since then. He said, Caleb, I would have taken more risks. And that literally like hit me at the very core of who I am. And I just want to tell you, we as Project Church have walked through this last six years in audacious faith, I believe. We have daily said, God, we want to step out of the boat. We want to walk on water. We want to see you move. We want to see miracles. We want to see the miraculous. And I want to challenge you for the same. Because some of us have been holding us back. And I don't want in 20 years to look back at what Project Church could have been. Look back at what my wife and I could have had. Look back at what our marriage could have looked like and said, man, what if? No, 
I don't want any what ifs. And so every day I say, God, help me to walk in faith. Help me to step out in faith. That's how God wants us to live. Stepping out. Why? Because those hidden things eventually become corporate blessings. Third, the third now of what we've been given is the word we hear was meant to be lived. Now, I read this, and and Jesus actually says here, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this is the second time he's said this, right? If you were here last week, you, you saw that in the first parable, he said the same thing. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I read it, and I was thinking about this culture, and I actually began to study this culture. Because what we don't recognize is that in this day, in Palestine, only 3% of the people could read and write. 3%. Now, in Rome, it was a little better. It was maybe 8%. So what we're looking at is a oral culture. And what I mean by that is everything was done orally. They went to the temple and they heard oral messages. They, they told stories orally. They passed down traditions orally. Everything was passed on orally. And the people in this day, they listened to memorize. Hear me in this. So that's how Peter is able to actually like give such good description and even Jesus' teaching is because he would have been listening to, listening to memorize. Y'all don't listen to me to memorize. But in this day, they listened and they were constantly taking mental notes, trying to memorize everything that was said. The reason Jesus says here, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is because he's saying hearing has to translate to living. He's saying it can't just be here and here. It has to transfer to here so then it goes out through here. So he's saying, he has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, you can't just keep memorizing and learning and, and having it all up here. It's got to become a part of your life. You've got to live it. There's this sea in Israel called the Dead Sea. And I've actually been there. I've swam in it. And the Dead Sea is literally that. It's dead. It's dead. It's toxic. No animal can live it. No plant. No fish. Because there's an intake, but there's no outflow. I mean, can you think of a better illustration? This will preach, y'all, okay? The water comes in, but the water never goes out. And because there's no outflow, the thing becomes stagnant and toxic, and there is no life. It is completely devoid of life. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he has ears to hear, let me hear. You can't just listen to memorize. you got to listen to live. Listen to live it out. If we're going to walk out who God has called us to be, we can't just have a lot of head knowledge and a lot of knowledge of the word of God. we got to take the word of God and we got to live the word of God. we got to walk it out in this world. That's what Jesus was saying. Mark 4.24, it's actually translated as be seeing what you are hearing. If we look at the original Greek, it would be, it would be this, be seeing what you are hearing. And it's a little confusing, but what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you need to see what you hear. And what I mean by that is you need to live what you hear. You should be seeing in your life what you're hearing from me today. We take it, we use it. 
the word we hear was meant to be lived. Why? Because we are the lampstand that elevates the light, the lamp for all to see for generations to come. Because it literally transforms, it, it transforms legacies in this world. Fourth and finally, the band will come back. You guys got lucky. I preached for like almost an hour in the 930 service. I have trimmed it way down. You're welcome. The now of what we've been given. Fourth and finally, what we are given is meant to be shared. Now, I have read this passage or these few verses so many times and so many times this week. And I felt like God really began to speak to me and challenge me in this. Verse 24 and 25. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, everybody say use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now I read this and this is another like, I call it savage Jesus moment. Where he like goes savage and he's like, look, some of you have a, a large measure and you're going to get more. Some of you have a little and it's going to be taken away. And you're like, wow, that seems harsh. And I read it and I just kept reading it over and over and over and over and over. And then I read it in the message. Verse 25 says, giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess impoverishes. Now, this is not talking about money. Because sometimes we read that and we're like, oh, he's talking about money. No, no, no. Jesus was not talking about money here. What Jesus was talking about is actually a, a buzzword in today's culture. Politically, I think what Jesus was talking about is, is this word, and some of you like this word, champion it, some of you don't. It's this word called privilege. And I'm not going to go into a political stance on this word, but here's what I am going to tell you. Every one of you came into this world with a measure. And you know what your measure is. Some of you came into this world and your measure was large. And you've become stagnant and maybe a little lazy and maybe complacent because of your measure. And now suddenly in your life you're seeing that measure diminish and you're going, God, how could you do this to me? How, would you, how could you do this in my life? Like this measure is actually decreasing. I don't feel like I have the same influence and, and blessing and impact and I'm not doing enough with my life. And God is saying to you, he's saying, I've given you a measure, but it's about what you do with that measure. Because if you do something with that measure, more will be given to you. And then some of you are in this room and you're, you're a little bitter because your measure is so small. You're like, God, why'd, why'd you give me this lot in life? Why was I born into this family? Why was I born into this situation? But again, Jesus is talking about this. And so I'm hitting a little on privilege because what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, I've given you a measure. 
even if it's a little, if you do something with that little, I'm going to give you more. If you do something with that, that little, I'm going to pour out more. That's what Jesus is talking about here. What we are given is meant to be shared, and the problem is so many of us take our measure and we think it's only for us. And Jesus is saying, look, stinginess is not the way. Selfishness is not the way. If you take what you hear and you take what you've been given and you take what you receive and you release it in this world, more will be added to you. I want more in my life. This is what Jesus is saying. More. You see, what you do right now impacts your tomorrow, but it also impacts the generations to come tomorrow. Your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And so I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to have children. It doesn't matter. You're still called to bless the next generation. You still have a purpose to be a lampstand to point to the light. To give the light glory. To point to everyone and say, this is what you're missing. This is what you don't have. This is what will give you fulfillment. This is what will give you life and life to the fullest. This is what will give you purpose. We are the lampstands pointing to the light. We've received the measure. We have to begin to pour out that measure on others, and God will add more to us and more to us and more to us. Now, some of you are in this room, and you're going, Caleb, this is great, man. Okay, I'm supposed to be for the next generation, but how do I know that I know that, that God and Jesus is going to really, like, bless this next generation? How do I really know that Jesus is all who he's cracked up to be, all that you're saying he is? How do I really know? Well, this week I was actually studying, and I came across the 50 names of Jesus, the declarations of Jesus and who he is. I need you to stand to your feet right now because I want to read them to you. And we're going to close. You see, now is our time. There's no greater moment than now. You want to know why? Because the world needs this. Jesus, the Almighty One, the Alpha and Omega. He's the advocate, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's authority, bread of life, beloved Son of God, bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone, the deliverer, the faithful and true one. He's the good shepherd, the great high priest, the head of the church, the Holy Servant, He's the I Am. He's the Emmanuel, God with us, the indescribable gift. He's the Judge and the King of Kings. He's the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all. I'm only halfway done. He's the Mediator, the Messiah, the Mighty One, the One who sets free. He's our hope, He's our peace, He's our prophet, He's our Redeemer, He's our risen Lord, He's the Rock. He's the sacrifice for our sins. He's our Savior. He's Son of Man, Son of the Most High, Supreme Creator over all. He's resurrection and the life. He's the door. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the Word. He's the true vine. He's the victorious one. He is the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let's sing some praises to His name in this room today. We hope this word encouraged you today. 
If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.